0: I don't know if you figured it out by now, but the title of my message today is Under Pressure. Yeah. So before I get started, though, I just want to take a moment and just just say that I'm so grateful to our pastor, Pastor Daniel, for the opportunity to share today. And I'm just grateful for his investment in my life. I've never met anyone more loyal, more loving, and also more challenging than our pastor. And you can just appreciate someone who helps you get better no matter what, who's committed to you no matter what. And I'm a better person today because of his investment in my life. So I'm really grateful to him. Can we give him just a shout out real quick? All right. Well, so today we are going to talk about pressure. And the truth is, is that we all experience pressure, but pressure comes in all shapes and sizes. And our response to pressure is all different as well. And there was a time in my life where I was under a tremendous amount of pressure when I was preparing to leave Cape Girardeau to move up to St. Louis. And I owned this house in Cape Girardeau, and it was great, except for one big problem. The basement leaked. And so I had to have someone else live in this house. I was renting this house out and I had to figure out how do I get this leak to stop? And it was one month before I was about to leave and it just kept leaking and leaking because it really wouldn't leak throughout the entire year, but anytime the ground would get saturated, it would just flood the basement. And so we had this particular spring where it rained all the time every day and so it seemed like my basement flooded every single day and so i had the shop back down there just vacuuming up all this water just trying to clean up the mess every day i had to do this and this was a season in my life where i feel like the the message god was communicating to me was Dustin, I want you to learn to depend on me, to trust in me, to rely on me. So I'm down there shop backing this water saying, okay, I'm supposed to be depending on the Lord. I'm depending on the Lord. This is driving me crazy, but I'm depending on you, Jesus. And so then day after day, this happened. And toward the end of the week, I had this moment where I couldn't just get the water to stop. I even So I had all these towels. I had 30 towels. Who has that many towels? I did. And I used them to try to, like, find the entry points and create these barricades that would maybe slow it down. And it's a stupid plan, but I was desperate. But it didn't work. And by the end of the week, I was so fed up with this situation that I'm down there vacuuming this water, and I'm thinking about the fact that I'm supposed to be depending on the Lord, and something just came out of my mouth. Have you ever had that where something just came out of your mouth, you didn't know it was in you to begin with, and you're maybe a little embarrassed that it came out to, after, after you heard it, you're like, woof I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, so I was thinking about, I'm supposed to be depending on the Lord, and, and I decided to sass God in that moment. I said, God, I can't depend on someone who's not going to show up. I can't depend on someone who's not dependable. And then I had to watch out for the lightning strike just to make sure I didn't get killed. But I was really surprised that that was in me. The pressure showed me something really important. And actually, it taught me a principle. Pressure reveals reality. It showed me that there was something in my heart that was really frustrated with God. And even I was afraid he wasn't going to show up. He wasn't going to help me. He was just going to leave me hanging with this leaky basement. And I have to leave in a month? God, where are you? We all experience pressure. The pressure you experience is different than the pressure I experience, but where are you experiencing it in your life today? Like I said, it comes in all shapes and sizes. Maybe you're experiencing the pressure of preparing for a wedding. Maybe you're experiencing the pressure of preparing for your first child. Maybe you're coping with having a child and the pressure that comes with that baby. Maybe you're experiencing the pressure that comes with with a job that you don't like and kind of wish you could quit. Maybe you've got all these new responsibilities. Maybe there's this learning curve that now you have to adapt to. There's all kinds of pressures that we face. What's yours today? And the other question is, is what is the pressure revealing in your life? What's it showing you? And so I just wanted to encourage you that if you're under pressure today, one, you're not alone. We've all experienced pressure at some point, and we're all gonna experience pressure on a regular basis. But then also there's hope for us in the scriptures. And there's a guy in the New Testament named Paul. Maybe you've heard of him. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he knew a lot about pressure. This guy was a tough dude. I have never been through half the stuff this guy has been through. The guy was shipwrecked three times. One of those times he had a venomous snake bite him. And everyone thought he was going to die. But he didn't die. And then they all thought he was a god. Then he was beaten within an inch of his life by opponents. He had several times he was thrown in jail, and then just to top it off for good measure, he really made some people mad. And they hurled all these stones at him until they thought he was dead. They drug his lifeless body outside the city and left him for dead. He regained consciousness because he's that tough, and then he walked right back into the city. This is a tough dude. This is an unstoppable dude. Like the the only reference I can really think of, when I think of Paul, I think of like the rock, this big, tough, resilient dude who will jack you up. And I'm sure Paul looked nothing like the rock. It's just the image I have of him. But so when I, I have this image of Paul, when I come to the scriptures, there's one place in particular that seems very in contrast to that picture I have. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul writes this starting in verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. So Paul says he despaired of life. He was under so much pressure that he despaired. What kind of pressure must that have been? This dude had been through all kinds of stuff. How much worse does it get? It doesn't tell us. He doesn't say. Now, some people think that he had a serious illness and that he was expecting to die. And he actually clarifies that because he says, we were expecting a death sentence. Whatever this was, he wasn't expecting to make it out of it. Which is what makes the next verse super interesting to me. So he continues on in verse 10 and he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's incredible because his worst case scenario was death. And yet he says, I trust in the God who can raise me back up. Matter of fact, I remember hearing the story about Lazarus who died and was resurrected by Jesus. Even still, I remember Jesus who died and was resurrected. So even if this plays out the way I fear it does, he can raise me back up from the dead. That's incredible faith. And so while he's under this pressure, initially, the thing it reveals is despair. But then over time, as he remains under the pressure, it reveals this remarkable faith in who God is and what he's capable of doing. It's amazing. And so, we as Christians, I know I am, we're so good at presenting this front where we look super spiritual, super together. I am the epitome of Christian perfection. I've got this all together. I'm good. And yet, pressure reveals what's really going on behind that. And James tells us that. And so in James chapter 1, verse 3, James writes, You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So like when you apply pressure to a tube of toothpaste, hopefully what comes out of that tube is toothpaste. If it's not, don't use it. But you're going to find out for sure what's inside that tube once you apply some pressure. And the same is true for your faith life. It's when you go through something that you see what's really inside. But so James continues on, and he says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And so in the NIV translation of this passage, he says that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that word perseverance in the Greek is hypomene, and it means to remain under. So he says, you need to stay in this because this pressure is teaching you how to remain in challenging situations, to remain under the pressures of life. It's forming something in you, so you need to stay under it. Now, this, when we experience pressure, we respond a few different ways. One of those ways is we complain about it. Any complainers in the room? I didn't. Well, there's one, two. Okay, I, I'm a complainer. I'm a master complainer whenever I go through challenges. But then, so we complain about it, we, we take it out on people we care about. Isn't it true that the people closest to you get it the worst? Yeah. Yeah. So we take it out on people, but then also sometimes we try to escape reality. So we try to medicate ourselves through, like, sex and through drugs, through, through binge-watching Netflix. For me, it was none of those things. It was always, like, reading comic books. It was my way to escape reality. I'm going to be Captain America for the next hour. But so we find these ways to get out of reality because it's just too hard. But then at some point, if we're under pressure long enough, we begin to despair and give up. Or you just check out, I quit, I can't do this anymore, it's too hard. The pressure's too heavy. And whatever your response is, the truth is is that under pressure long enough, there's going to be one of two responses. You're either going to get stronger or you're going to break. And now there's something really important in order to determine which of those two is going to happen. But So it makes me think of an engine. So in in an engine, there's this tremendous amount of pressure that's going on. And there's this oil that helps to sustain the engine under the pressure. Now let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that you don't put oil in your car for eight months. At some point, the pressure is going to wreck your engine and you're probably gonna crack your camshaft. Anyone wanna know why I know that? The only reason I know what a camshaft is is because I cracked mine. I, I didn't put oil in my car for eight months. And well, let me just defend myself. There was no change oil light on the car. So I'm thinking, oh, this is a really long time not to change my oil. And so over time, my camshaft just cracks in half. I broke my engine because the pressure without the oil was too much. It became destructive. And now thankfully, my mechanic uh, loves Jesus and prayed over my engine, and God resurrected my engine, even though I'm a moron, and I broke it. But essentially, my mechanic was telling me it was like my engine was screaming for help. Please, give me some oil. I'm dying. And I didn't, and it broke. But so there's, there's this element that's really important in order for the pressure not to be destructive, but to actually build you up. And so to find out what that is, let's continue on to Romans 5, starting with verse 1. And Paul is writing this, and he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So what this means is, at some point, when you gave your life to Christ, you gained access to God. Your your relationship with God was restored through Jesus, and you gained access to the presence of God, but you also gained access to the grace of God. And this grace is not just when you screw up and break your camshaft. This grace actually has another element to it. It empowers you. The grace of God empowers you for the work of God. And so when you have this presence and power flowing through your life, when you have oil in the engine, the pressure stops being destructive and it actually becomes constructive. So the presence and power of God allows you to be formed. And so Paul tells us exactly what it's going to form. So he continues on and says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It's that word hypomene, remaining under. And hypomene produces character. In character, hope. and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what's saying is this, this pressure with the presence of God is forming your character and making you stronger and more capable than you would have ever imagined. He's revealing your capacity through the pressure. And there's no other way to do it. We don't come out of the womb with character and capacity. We come out selfish. Have you ever seen a kid say mine? It's mine. We, we come out with this selfish nature and God has to form us. And the only way he does it is through the fire. There's this, this verse in, in Proverbs 17 verse 3 that says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Think how hot that fire is for silver and gold. It's just as hot when the Lord is testing your heart because He's having to burn out the impurities, burn out the selfish motives, burn out all the ulterior motives that you've got going on inside your heart. He's working on your character, and there's just no other way for that to happen than to go through the fire, than to go through the pressure, to remain under the pressure that you're going through. So here's the thing, though. So pressure reveals reality. And a lot of times, you don't like the reality. I don't anyways. Um, But persistence under pressure reveals capacity. When you persist under the pressure, God shows you stuff about yourself you never knew was there. He shows you capability you never knew you had. He actually forms and shapes you into someone who is really effective for the kingdom of God. He actually makes you powerful through this testing. He makes you powerful through the pressure, but you've got to choose to remain under it and not just say, I gave my life to Jesus like 10 years ago. But you're cultivating that presence. You're cultivating that, that power of God in your life so that it sustains you under the pressure and then it forms your capacity. I remember 15 years ago, I read about this guy named David in the Old Testament. And I read that he was referred to as a man after God's heart. And when I read that, there was something about that that just came alive in me. And I thought, I want that for my life. I want to be a man after God's heart. And I remember saying that to to Pastor Daniel, thinking that he was going to say, that is a great dream. You should totally aspire to that. You should totally want that. And instead he said, you know how difficult that is, right? You know how hard it is to become a man or a woman after God's heart. And I said, yeah, you just go to church and read your Bible sometimes, it's fine. But but what I discovered is that's not true. There's this pressure that has to happen. And it's pressure over a period of time where the Lord forms you into a man or a woman after God's heart. And there's just no other way to get it. And so when I rolled up to St. Louis eight years ago to help start the church, I thought I was really far along in my spiritual walk. And not in some arrogant way, Not in some way where I was like, hey, look at me. I've reached the pinnacle of Christian perfection. But I I did feel like I was far along. I I felt like I was prepared to be a high-level leader. I felt like I was prepared to be a great husband and a great father. I just felt like I was so ready, just right there. And what the Lord showed me is I had so much growing up to do, way more than I expected. And the way he did that was through a series of pressures. And so as I I came to help start the church, we needed a video person. And I was the closest thing we had because I did graphic design. So hey, you got to learn video. Figure it out. Embrace the pressure. Expand my capacity. And so then over time, we needed a communication director. I kind of know how this works. I've been around this before. I mean, it's way different having to be in charge of it, but okay. And so God expanded my capacity. And then I stepped into the worship uh, director role and I had this opportunity to oversee a worship team. I'd been around worship teams for 20 years. I'd never been in charge of one. So on my face before the Lord, I'm asking for wisdom. Show me how to walk through this. And he's expanding my capacity through all this. As I remain under the pressure, he's stretching me, informing me, making me stronger. And then he sends me to lead my first international mission trip. I'm kind of scared of getting lost in St. Louis just in my car let alone taking six people across the pond. And I got to make sure those six people that came with me are the same six people that came back with me. But through the pressure, he's stretching me. He's expanding my capacity. And then he had me officiate my first wedding. And there's all kinds of pressure that comes with a wedding. You know this. You got to get it just right. You got to say it just right. Because this isn't my day. This is someone else's day. I can't mess this up. And so there's these pressures that showed me that man, there's a lot of stuff in me that isn't dealt with yet. Like, over the past year, the past eight years, I've discovered so much anger in my life that I didn't realize was there, and in random ways, too. Like, I spilt the milk, and I'm angry now. What? That doesn't make any sense well, why am I angry all of a sudden? Why why do I feel fear all of a sudden? Why do I feel insecurity? And the Lord is exposing all this stuff in me that I didn't realize was still there. I thought I was so ready so far along. And then he's showing me, Dustin, the way you respond to criticism isn't good. The the way you handle situations, even in leadership, isn't effective. It's not good. You're hurting people in the process. And so what I realized is, man, I got a lot of work to do. And then there was one thing in particular where I felt like there was a lot of quit in me. And I just remember feeling like God said to me, Dustin, i got to work the quit out of you. Because every time you come up to a challenge, every time you come up to an impasse, and you can't figure out what to do, and you don't think you can figure it out, you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you can handle it, your first move is to quit. And i got to get that out of you if you're ever going to be a man after God's heart. If you're ever going to be effective, i got to work the quit out of you because that's always gonna hold you back. And that's gonna keep you from becoming the man I want you to be. But so, here's the beautiful thing about God. I rolled up thinking I was really far along. I realized I was not quite as far along as I thought. But what the Lord has showed me in the past eight years is my my capacity was actually much greater. As I persisted under the pressure, what I saw revealed is a greater capacity than I would have ever known. I just—I was grateful just to graduate college. I was the first person in my family to do that. I thought that was a big deal. I thought that was the pinnacle. And yet, God was showing me, you're capable of so much more. And as you choose to say yes and remain under the pressure, as you choose to remain under, I will form you and fashion you and make you usable in a powerful way. And there's nothing significant about me. So th- if this is true in my life, it can be true in yours. It's not about me. It's about his power and his presence through me. And in your life, it's not about you. It's not about how insecure you feel or insignificant you feel like you are. It's God's power and presence through you. Your capacity is greater than you realize. You have settled for less for far too long and God wants to call you out to more. There is more in you. Believe it. Believe that you're capable of making a difference in this world for the kingdom of God because you can. God has this way of taking us through the pressure, and I don't know what kind of pressure you're under today. I just wanted to encourage you, though. Don't quit, don't give up. You, You keep remaining right under that pressure. And you believe that God is good. You believe that God is faithful. Believe that the promises God makes, he can fulfill in your life. There's this passage in Romans, starting in chapter 4, verse 18, where Paul reveals some nuances about the character Abraham from the Old Testament. Uh, He's not a character. He's a human being. He existed. But there's this guy named Abraham, and so he tells us a little bit about him. And Paul starts off by saying, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was his wife Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. See, here's the thing that I find interesting. Maybe you caught it too. If you know anything about Abraham's story, there's some curious things in this passage. Like when it says that he never wavered. He never doubted. His faith remains strong. Well, there's plenty of things in Abraham's story that make me think otherwise. Like the time he lied multiple times about his wife being his sister so he wouldn't get killed. That seems like a lack of faith. Then there was the time he laughed in God's face when God said, hey, next year you're gonna have a kid. Thought that was hilarious. I'm like 100 years old. How's that going to happen? And then the topper was whenever he just decided, I'm going to make my own kid. I'm going to go sleep with my servant, and then we're going to have a kid, and we'll call him Ishmael. Seems like a lack of faith to me. And yet Paul says he never wavered. How does that work? But it shows me that maybe there's some nuance to what faith is. Maybe faith isn't just being perfect in belief. Maybe just because you have doubts doesn't mean you don't have faith. Maybe faith is you choosing to trust even in faith, even in face of doubts, you choose to hold on. And this is kind of the revelation I had whenever I was in this season. The past eight years, there were times I just wanted to quit. And there was one day in particular where I was done. I'm out. I'm going to write up my letter of resignation. I'm done with this. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. It's too heavy. The pressure is too much. And I remember in that moment, the Lord saying, you need to not quit. You need to hang in there. And I remember just having this, like, this revelation of like me choosing not to quit, even though I'm to the edge, is an act of faith. Even though I have all these doubts, even though I have all these insecurities, I choose to step forward towards Jesus is an act of faith. So it taught me, maybe faith isn't an absence of doubt Maybe faith is a refusal to quit. You refuse to quit. You get all the way to the edge. And you're done. I can't do this. It's too hard. I don't want to even try anymore. And yet you choose to take a step towards Jesus. Of course you can take a step back. You can take a step out altogether. But I'm going to take a step forward towards Jesus. Because I believe in the promise he's made to me. I believe that he's good. And I believe there's a point to the pressure. The pressure is not the point. It's what the pressure creates in your life that's the point. So take a step forward. So here's the question. Where do you want to quit right now? Maybe you're ready to quit on your marriage. Too hard. I've done everything I can do. And it's just not getting better. Maybe you want to quit on a relationship or a friendship. And you're just giving up on it. Maybe you want to quit your kids, and if so, we have a vault, you can go stick them in. Amen. Amen. Maybe you want to quit your job. You're just fed up, I'm done, I hate my boss, I hate this job, it's too boring, it doesn't utilize my talents, whatever. Maybe you want to quit the church. Maybe you're ready to quit faith altogether. Following Jesus hasn't really measured up to what you thought it would be. What is it that you want to quit today? And whatever that is that comes to your mind, I just want to encourage you, don't. Don't quit. It's, it's, not, it's not wrong to have doubts. Just don't let the doubts make the decisions for you. At some point, lay the doubts down and lean into your faith. And in faith, choose to believe that God will lead you through this. That the pressure isn't the point, it's the other side of the pressure that's the point. God is leading you through something. He's not leaving you stuck in something. So lean into it. And, and the truth is, is, we get so focused on everything around us. It's like all you can see after a while. All you can see is the, everything that's going wrong. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. and It's all you can see. All you can see is the ways that God hasn't shown up. He hasn't moved on your behalf. And it's like all you can focus on. But I just wanted to encourage you to take your eyes off your circumstances. And put your eyes on Jesus. And here's the thing about Jesus. He knows a lot about suffering. He knows a lot about pressure. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the day before he would die, he felt immense pressure. So much pressure where it says that he began to sweat drops of blood. Think of how much pressure has to exist on a human body to make you sweat blood. And in that moment, he was struggling. And the gospel uh, writer Matthew tells us in chapter 26, starting with 36, that then Jesus went with them, his disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He didn't want to remain under the pressure. He asked his father to take the cup of suffering away from him. And yet God says no. And in that moment, he chose to remain under the pressure. And his persistence under pressure revealed his capacity as savior of the world. As he then proceeded to die and be resurrected, it revealed who he was. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a moral man. He was savior of the world. And there is no other way that that was going to happen except through this death and resurrection. That somehow we get restored back to God. He is well acquainted with suffering. I've always heard that Jesus carried my sins to the cross. But it was a new revelation to me when I heard He carried my suffering as well. There's this passage in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4, where Isaiah says, It was our weaknesses He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Him down. So when He's on the cross, He's not just carrying His suffering. He's not just carrying His pressure. He's carrying ours. And not just like generic suffering. Not just your generic sins. Your specific sins. Your specific troubles. Your specific pressure. He is carrying it long before you ever would. And I don't understand how that works other than God is outside of time. But what I do know is you can trust in a God like that. You can trust in a God who doesn't just say pithy sayings from a distance, who doesn't just pat you on the back and say, they're there, but who actually gets down into the middle of your nightmare and helps to carry your sufferings alongside you. The God who feels your pain, the God who feels your rejection, who feels your suffering right along with you. You can trust the God like that. You can put your hope in a God like that, He doesn't just comfort you from a distance. He gets right down into the middle of it. And He pioneered the way through your sufferings so that when you went through it, you didn't have to do it alone. So when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil because He is with you. He is the very thing that sustains you under the pressures of life. He is the very thing that gives you hope in the middle of your suffering. Jesus is not just a good teacher, he's a capable savior who can bring you hope and strength in the middle of your worst dream. But here's the thing, is I know that you knowing about Jesus suffering with you isn't going to remove your pain. It isn't going to take it away. But at least it can give you hope in the middle of it. And there is this uh, seminary professor who said this, We may not be able to trace God's hand in what has happened, but we can trust God's heart. Maybe you're looking all around and you don't see God. All you see is problems. You you want to depend on God if He would be dependable, right? You want, like, God, please show up. But even if you can't see Him in your circumstances, you can still trust His heart because His heart for you is good, His intentions for you are good, He has a plan for your life. The pressure isn't the point, it's what's on the other side of the pressure. And and I just need to encourage you, there is another side. It's not forever. The pressure is not ongoing. There is another side to the pressure. And you want to get there. Because just imagine on the other side of this pressure how much stronger you're going to be, how much more resilient you're going to be that you can stand in the face of all kinds of challenges, and they can't knock you off like they used to because you are stronger now. It's not just your strength. It's his strength flowing through you so you can stand in the middle of challenges because you are empowered by the grace of God. You don't have to be afraid of the storms of life because you are strong. You've been through something. You've experienced something so you can stand on the promises of God. Just imagine on the other side of this that you can actually be a blessing to someone else. I'm blown away by the way that God brings people into my life that remind me of me and that are going through the same thing that I've been through. And it's by no accident because it's part of the way that he works all things together for good because he doesn't waste your pain. He uses it for good. He uses it so that you can help someone else, so that you can be a a word of hope for someone else in their nightmare, that you can say, keep going. Keep going. Don't you dare quit. I've been through this. And you can speak with authenticity, and you can speak with authority that no one else can because you went through it, and you've been through it, and you've seen him be faithful in it. So you can say to everyone else, you can do this. Because you've been through it, and even as you're going through it, you can still be an encouragement to other people. God can use your pain to be a blessing to the world around you. Just imagine the other side of what you're dealing with. And the truth is, whatever your worst case scenario is, there is an absolute other side, and that's an eternity with God where there's no separation. We get to walk with God just like we are back in the Garden of Eden, in the cool of the day, walking with God. No separation, no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain anymore. You are with God. There are no more challenges and pressures and troubles. You get to experience His joy and His peace and His goodness forever, forever. Because here's the perspective I wanna give you. The troubles you're going through feel like they've been forever right now, but they are a blip. This life is a blip on the timeline of eternity. And there is so much good on the other side of this. There's so much good, you don't wanna miss it. No matter how difficult this life gets, the next life is worth it. You wanna hang on. You wanna see God's goodness on the other side of this. Because the truth is, is I can't guarantee you won't be disappointed in this life. But what the author of Romans, Paul tells us is that in the end, hope never disappoints us. In the end, you will not be disappointed because God is good and God's heart for you is good. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are good i thank you that you never leave us you never abandon us even in the midst of our worst case scenario even in the midst of our nightmare you're with us you promise to never leave us and i just pray for those in the room who are on the edge who are ready to give up who are ready to despair that they would be reminded that this happened that they may learn to rely upon the lord who raises the dead to life. I pray for an infusion of hope in the hearts of the people in this room that you would give them hope to believe again that there is potential for their future. There is another side to this suffering. You never abandon your kids. And so we believe in you, Lord. We believe in your goodness. We believe in your power. We believe your presence makes all the difference in the world. And there's some in the room today when I talked about entering the presence and power of God through Jesus. You thought, man, I haven't made that decision yet. If you would like to make that decision, today is your day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not a month from now. Today is your day for you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not just a good teacher, Savior, Lord. He will change your life and today could be the first day of the rest of your life. And all you've got to do believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord so if today is your day and you are ready to make this decision on the count of three I want you to shoot your hand in the air be brave no one's looking around no one's looking to see you do this but I want you to throw your hand up in the air and let me pray for you one two three shoot that hand in the air right now I see your hand I see your hand sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see your hands, I see your hands. Praise God for you, praise God for you. So proud of you guys. You can put your hands down. Praise God for what he's doing in this room. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want everyone to pray along with me. No one prays alone. And repeat this after me, say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I need a savior. And today I make you my savior. I let go of my life. I let go of my will. You get to call the shots from now on. Today I give you my life. Thank you for your spirit living in me. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. There's so many people throwing hands up. Let's praise God for the people who have been saved today.